0: slimming (laughs) colour, just putting it out there, turn to those around you, behind you, in front of you, side by side, give them a smile, a wave, credit card details, we're going to pray for them, let's pray for those people around you. Uh, loving God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters, whether we know them or not, in front of us, behind us, and to the side. Lord, we pray that you'll bless them. Because, we, Lord, we want them to be touched by your presence, by your grace, and by your love. And we pray, Lord, that you've already been at work in them as we've been singing these songs, as we've been worshipping together, as we've been praying together. But, Lord, as we come to the Word, will you continue that work within them May they hear your voice exactly what they need to hear this morning. And Lord, if you need to take them off in a tangent uh, into a different place, Lord, do it if it means them hearing your voice and knowing what you want for them and with them. So, Lord, bless those around us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're starting a brand new series today called Countercultural. And uh, countercultural basically is that the culture has a way of looking at things and we are called to look at them differently. I mean, Scripture says, I think it's Paul that says, do not be conformed by the patterns of this world. And what are the patterns of this world? The patterns of this world is the culture of this world. Things that as a society we believe, but as Christians we're actually called to believe something different. We're actually called to walk in a different step, in a different way than what the world steps at. And so we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of topics, but today we're going to launch it and we're going to look at the topic of suffering because if there is any topic where, uh, as Christians, we come with a different framework, it's with the whole framework of suffering. So it's not going to be a fun, well, I'll try and make it interesting, but uh, if it tugs at your heart, that's not a bad thing. Uh, Let it do that. Uh, but we're going to be uh, just delving a little bit uh, deeper into that. Let's start today by basically saying that suffering sucks. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. The scripture says the rain comes on the evil and the good alike. Suffering comes to us all, and none of us enjoy it. I, I, I just don't think we do. There's a, a natural impulse within us when suffering comes, whether it's financial, whether it's health. Whether it's um, relational, whether it's in a tragic situation, no matter how it comes, it, it, it does something deep inside of us that all of us, if we had a chance, would want to run away from. We just want to get away, and you know. And and I've I've sat with people as um, as they've been at the end of their life, and some of them highly medicated and And to try and relieve this suffering and I'm, and even this week, when I was sitting with Ralph and the family uh, in his last couple of days of life, um, you could just see the 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 anguish on the family 's f- uh, faces and in their hearts of the of lo- about to lose someone they love and the suffering that they were going through um, and, and so it's it 's just a, a really hard uh, thing to go through and, and it's hard to be in it, it's hard to watch other people be in it. And we've all got people that we know or even in our, our own lives where we've had suffering and, and, and our natural tendency is to go this is horrible, how can I get out of it as much as quick as I can? There's a, there was an a author called uh, Simone uh, Weil who basically said that, that suffering, if, if not seen in the right way, will, will birth a couple of things within us. The first thing it will birth, uh, can birth in us, they're not a, an accumulative list, the individual, is isolation. That if you've ever been uh, in, in a suffering position yourself or have seen people, uh, you can find yourself isolated from the world because one, everybody thinks that, doesn't know what to say because of your suffering, or you don't know how to react to other people because of your suffering, and so you isolate yourself from the world. She said you can do that, or you could um, possibly um, be uh, in your suffering self-focused, that you've got so little reserve for anything else but the pain that you're going through that nobody else matters in your world. And you can be self-focused. The other thing she says is that you can feel shamed and condemned because you can go through this thing of what have I done to deserve what's going on inside of me? What is going on to deserve the suffering that I'm going through? Or what has that person done to deserve the suffering that they're going through? And we can feel this shame and this um, condemnation that comes through. That's a response that you can have. She said another response is that you can just get angry. And and people get angry with God. They get angry with their circumstances. They get angry that they don't have the quality of life that they think they should have. They get angry with with politicians. They get angry with medical people. They get angry with everyone. And I've been there. It's easy to get angry. My daughter went to a specialist and she was horrid. My daughter's been unwell for about two years, and, and she was just horrid. And, and I just came away angry, angry that she didn't care for her properly. And so I get angry. Um, and, uh, and the last thing she says that you can do when it comes to suffering is that you can start to identify it and you become what you're suffering. and You start to give yourself things. So I can sell by the fact that you're all upbeat this morning that I've really doing some work. So suffering sucks. Suffering can identify you in lots of different ways. It can influence your life in lots of different ways. And, and the, the culture basically says today that we are to do away with suffering at any turn. If we can alleviate it, then we do. This is the culture that we live in. The most, um, the most abused medication on the planet is Panadol. Because okay, we like to get uh, get rid of any suffering that we have. And, and we get to the point where we're prepared to do that at all costs. And, and so Victoria, just over the last uh, th- uh, couple of months, has passed a, a bill basically called an assistant, uh, Assisted Dying Bill, which, which is about basically uh, euthanasia, and, and uh, to, to say that people shouldn't suffer, and so we're going to end their life early if enough rules and regulations have been passed. We don't want to deal with suffering. We don't like suffering. We're going to run away with it. And, and society basically says that, that suffering at all costs should be eliminated from our lives and from our world. And it's fair enough when you think about it, because if you believe that this life is all that there is, if you believe in the core of who you are, that when you die, like my mum does, that a light switch goes off and that's it, you'd want to make every, every moment on this planet enjoyable, wouldn't you? Like if that's what you believed, that there's no, nothing else afterwards, that this is all you have, that you'd want to relieve every moment of suffering because we worship the culture of happiness, and we don't like the concept of suffering. But as Christians, we have a different world view than that. We have a world view that basically says that death is not the end. We have a world, being, a world view that says that um, that suffering is not something that um, is to be run away from, but is to be embraced in some ways. Now in my last church I had the joy of being a part, probably far more than I am in this church, a part of uh, the playgroup system that was running there. And I used to uh, go around and talk to to mums and back 10 years ago when we started it, there was a phenomenon that happened with young mums that every time a dummy got dropped onto the floor, it would be sterilised to the nth degree before it was put back into the mouth because they didn't want their children to catch any germs. And The other week I was at my place and and my daughter-in-law dropped uh, my grandson's dummy on the floor and she just picked it up, gave it a brush and whacked it in the kid's mouth. And I'm going, what's going on? And she goes, it will just build up his immunity. He'll be fine. And I go, great, she's finally on the same page as me. I feel happy. (laughs) But there was this tendency about 10 years ago to try and eliminate germs from every child's life, isn't there? There was a time where you had to wipe down every service, everything had to be spotless, until they realised that after a while that the the children's immune system was not actually being developed because they weren't getting any germs in there to develop the immune system. And so what they were thinking they were doing to, to alleviate the suffering of sickness, they were actually causing their child to be... Sicker, And I kind of think that, that suffering is the same way. The more that we try and, and alleviate suffering from the, our lives, the, the less robust we become as people to deal with the tops and turbies that come our way. And just like a, a child needs to build up immunity by getting sick... by having being exposed to germs, by getting those antibodies or whatever, I'm not a doctor, I'll leave that to Simon, but whatever it is, they, they build up a, a robustness in their system and, and as we look at suffering not as something to be avoided at all costs but that it has a, a plan and a purpose and then we can then start to get a robustness within our lives. Our faith does not look at suffering as something to be avoided but something to be embraced this is what Tim Keller says in his book about suffering so so suffering is at the very heart of the Christian faith it is not only the way of the way Christ became like and redeemed us but it is the one of the main ways we become like him and experience his redemption And that means that our suffering, despite its painfulness, is also filled with purpose and usefulness. So our suffering is full of purpose and usefulness. So we're going to read from Romans 5 today. Just keep that in the back of your mind as we read this together. Uh, You can pull out your Bibles or it will be on the screen. We'll go from 1 to 11. Romans 5, 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and the therefore means that he is articulating the thing before it, and what he's articulating before it is his whole conversation about the fact that Abraham was justified by faith, not by, uh, by works. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace in God through Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. We also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this: that while we were still sinners, He died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more have we been saved from God's wrath through Him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through faith uh, through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we share through his life not only is this so but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we are now received reconciliation so here we have paul saying that that we should rejoice in our suffering and, and i don't know what that does to you but sometimes that produces within me a a, a struggle how do I rejoice in suffering how do I look at it in a way that doesn't say I want to run away at all costs well I think the first thing we're going to realize is that suffering was never really God's intent we see in the very beginning of the in Genesis 3 that we see that suffering comes as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve that pain and labour and struggle comes as a result of that. So we know before that, that was suffering was not God's intent. Everything was pretty easy. And then we have this whole period of the Bible where we see struggle and suffering and pain and death and issues and, and worries and stresses. But then we would get right to the other end of the Bible in Revelations chapter 21, we, we see that God's vision is going to be reenacted, that a new heaven, a new earth, and it's going to be without pain and suffering and every tear is going to be wept away, wiped away. And if you have been to a funeral, you might have heard those verses used. So we see it before the fall and we see after the, the, the redemption of all uh, humanity and all the universe that suffering is not in God's plan. But as we live in the, the space in between, that we've got to live with this suffering. So we, the first thing to say is it's, God's, it's not God's plan that, that we suffer, but very much God uses suffering to bring about his purposes and his plan. It is through suffering that we can start to discover who we really are. Now, I want you to think of a time in your life, whether it's big or small, where you've suffered, whether you've been watching someone suffer or whether you've suffered yourself. And is it not true that in that moment of suffering you've asked yourself questions that you've never asked yourself before? Is it not true that when the pain comes that it births within you questions and Thoughts and, and attitudes that you've never addressed before. Suffering brings about something within us. And what it starts to show is, one, what we truly value, and two, what we truly believe. Suffering can bring up with us what we truly value, what's important to us. Is family the most important things. Is that Xbox game, boys, that important to you in the middle of suffering? And what do you really believe? Do you really believe that God is with you? Do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you believe that God is there in the midst of your pain? When we go through pain and suffering, it Burst with us what we really believe. I had um, uh, one uh, um, speaker that I was listening to. He was actually my old um, youth leader called Nick Hawkes. He did an, an apologetic sef- um, seminar on suffering a couple of weeks back. And he said, Suffering will show where you are sinning and where you are saintly. Suffering will show where you are a sinner or where you're a saint because it's out of that pain it's out of those struggles it's out of those issues that your true character comes to the surface if I'm in pain I get grumpy and if I deal with suffering properly I've got to ask myself what is deep inside of me that makes me so grumpy when I'm in pain or I can just stay grumpy and not deal with it at all So I want to put to you that Paul is saying rejoice in your suffering because suffering has the opportunity to unlock and produce in us issues that, that we might have. It brings to bear our character, if you like, and, uh, and it goes to work. So Paul in this chapter says that, that suffering produces perseverance, it builds up a resistance with us. We get more robust as people as we go along. It says that perseverance builds character. It starts to unravel what, who, who we are and, and we have to start uh, bringing to God who we are and allowing God to work in our pain and in our suffering. And it says ultimately it produces hope. You've got to ask yourself, how did Paul go from perseverance, which I get, You've got to stick with it. You've got to see God in it. In character, I kind of get that. You, you, you're getting things exposed in your life that you don't normally get exposed. I get that. How does he then make the, the jump from character to hope? Hope in what? And as I was pondering on this, I realised once again that, that the Psalms show us the answer because if you've read the Psalms... They all start with, Are you there, God? What the heck is happening? I don't understand why these people are after me or why this pain is happening to me. God, you're, where are you? And it moves through going, Okay, God, well, maybe you are there. Right through to, God, what have I done? right through to God, I, I know that you love me despite what I've done, and, and right through to the point that goes, I know that you're God and I know you've got me and I know that it's going to be okay. And so Paul is basically saying, it breeds perseverance, it breeds character, but at the end, if you track it to its, to its spiritual conclusion, it will bring hope in God and a depth of faith in God that you've never had before. Now, all that doesn't stop suffering from sucking. You know, you can have that really positive understanding. Okay, I'm going to see suffering in a positive way. I'm going to see that God can use it to define my character, to reshape me and to break things open that I've had closed for a long time. I get that, but it's not going to stop suffering from hurting and sucking and being terrible and being long and painful and drawn out. But there's a couple of things that I want you to acknowledge when it comes to suffering that I think might just be helpful for you. First of all, if suffering is coming your way or you're a part of it now or you're with someone who is suffering at the moment, it's not because God hates you or you've done something wrong. I think once we realise that it's not a payment for us doing something wrong, there's a burden that gets lifted off of our soul. Now I had a conversation with my daughter during the week and I usually ring her up a couple of times a week and just say, How are you feeling? And I normally get three responses, not too bad, I'm really tired, or everything hurts. That's the three responses I get. And when she says it it really hurts, you know what? I don't know what to say. I just go, "Honey, I'm praying for you, I'm really sorry." And then I go into pastor mode, which is not good when you're a dad. And so this week I thought, "I'm not going to stay on her pain because her pain is not her. You know, she's still my daughter, I still love her, and despite she's in pain, I'm not going to stay there. So I said, "Honey, how's your soul because I'm a pastor." And if any of you have been in a conversation with me long enough, you know it's going to get there eventually. And she goes, oh, not too bad. I'm, I'm pretty good. I said, are you feeding yourself? See, I'm straight into pastor mode here. Are you feeding yourself? She goes, yeah, I've been, I've been reading uh, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, have you been reading scripture? You see, I'm still a pastor father. She goes, yeah, I, I've been. I'm reading through the book of Acts. I said, what has God been saying to you? <laughs> because I'm still a pastor. You have got to pray for my kids. They they go through a lot. She goes, well, actually, I've been. I was reading the story of Paul in prison. Yeah, this is this is, this is very profound. She goes, and as I was reading that story, I realized that Paul was loved by God. He did amazing things for God, but yet he was suffering. And it made me realize that I had done nothing wrong to get what I've got. It made me realize that if Paul could be in a position of suffering... And that God loved him so dearly, and God used him so powerfully, and, and it was just a handkerchief could heal someone, and 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 he he could proclaim the gospel, and people come to faith. He said, if, if if Paul still suffered, he said, maybe it's not my fault, Dad. And because I'm a dad and a pastor, I said, don't forget. God didn't spare Jesus from suffering either. And if God didn't spare his son from suffering, why does it why do we think why do we think that God's going to spare us? She goes, Yeah, David, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what I'm talking about and the conversation went on. But when we realise that the rain falls on the good and the bad, the scripture says, when we realise that suffering just happens, it's a part of being a, a part of this fallen world and that it's not necessarily because we have sinned. And as Christians, we, we know that we sin and we know what forgiveness is and we know what we do. And, and sometimes suffering does come because we haven't dealt with our forgiveness and we haven't entered into the presence of God and we haven't Let God deal with the junk in our trunk. Yes, sometimes suffering comes that way, but most of the time suffering comes because suffering comes. And if we can take the guilt off of our lives to say that it is our fault, then I think that that can be a really helpful thing. Second thing I want us to realise is is that faith has a purpose. This is what Paul outlines in this text. That it, that it can bear a, f- a positive fruit in our life if we, uh, we look at suffering in the right way, even in our pain in our midst, we, we push into God and not run away from God and allow God to do the work that he wants to do through that suffering, then God can... Use that suffering for purpose. Rick Warren um, lost a son to to suicide uh, about a year or two ago. He's a pastor in the States. And so he's had to reflect on this affair He says this, God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. So God's purpose to allow suffering to keep on happening is that that it would birth within us this character of trusting Him and knowing Him and dealing with things that we don't want to deal with. That is more important to Him than our comfort. And the last thing I want us to... Realizes that in the Christian faith, death is not the end. And that we have an eternal hope of a day without suffering and without pain and without issues, that death is not the end. This that we live in is temporary, but there is an eternal to come. I was sitting with an elderly couple a couple of years back who... Uh, one of them was dying of, of cancer. And, uh, and he was uh, allowing this, this cancer that he was going through to really shape his character. He was a hard man. He was a bitter man. He followed God, but man, he was harsh. He was harsh to his kids. He was harsh to his wife. He was harsh to everything. And then the cancer hit. And he said, God, what's going on? and then, and then within him God started to do a work and as he started to lay down his pain lay down his issues with his own dad as he laid down all his bitterness and all his hurt he turned into a beautiful and amazing man kind and considerate and I, and I'd love to tell you that he got healed And we were praying for that. But his wife, on the day that he died, simply turned to me and said, Don't worry, Barry. He said, His healing is now complete because he's gone to be with Jesus. So God wants to deal with the stuff that's deep down inside of us. Suffering is used to do it. But we know that suffering is temporary. So I'm wondering this morning whether you need to allow God to shift your understanding of suffering. And that can we, like the disciples, like the apostles, like Christ himself, embrace it as a part of this fallen and broken world, but embrace it knowing that God can use it to to put pressure on our lives and turn this lump of coal that we are into precious jewels of life. Would you stand with me? And just close your eyes for a moment. And and if you've got a, a need in your life or a pain in your life or a struggle in your life, And you're really struggling to work out where the God is in the middle of it. I want to pray for you this morning. So while everybody's got their eyes closed, just stick up your hand. This is not for you to come to Jesus. This is just for you to say, God, I need help in this area of my life. So if you've got an area of need, an area of suffering, an area of pain, just stick up your hand. Just stick it up. And let's ask God to go to work and to reveal his love and his grace. Loving God, we thank you that you're with us in the fire, that you live with us in the turmoil of life. And for those who have got their hands stuck up right now, Lord, you know their situations, you know their pain, you know their grief, you know their struggle. Holy God, step into their life Step into the mess. Step into the struggle. And Lord, will you do something beautiful, something amazing, something glorious in the middle of their pain, in the middle of their issues? And for those of us, Lord, who need a fresh understanding, a fresh revelation of why life can sometimes be tough. Why things don't always go the way that we think that we should and, and yet we can still call ourselves blessed. Lord, birth in them a, a fresh understanding, a new understanding that you're with them. You're with them on the good and you're with them in the bad. You're with them on the mountain. And you're with them in the valley. You're with them in success and you're with them with failure. Because you are God and and you are faithful. And you never leave us. You never forsake us. And so Holy Spirit come with your presence now and birth within us a, a, a real determination to trust you, to love you, and to call upon your name. And to know that you are God and that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.